Chapter 3. Doors. She woke too quickly. Her eyes snapped open and went wide, darting nervously around her room. She sucked in a short gasp and covered her face with her palms, blinking away her sleep and gulping back her dry throat. She felt disoriented and muddled, like an imp had skipped through the caverns of her mind and fiddled with her thoughts. She rubbed away the cold sweat on her forehead and sat up, looking around her room and ensuring that everything was where it should be. Her nightmares had been so vivid recently. She couldn't, for the life of her, decide if last night had been a trick of her subconscious or if everything had been real. Perhaps there'd been no Snape, no Malfoy, no secret. Maybe she was still the sole inhabitant of her dorm. Maybe. Her tired gaze fell to the rope burns on her arms, and she exhaled a disappointed sigh. She'd wanted so badly for it to be a dream, so willing to delude herself. Call it the brain's defense mechanism, or call it hope. Hell, call it whatever you wanted. The fact of the matter was, it hadn't been a nightmare. It made her feel sick. She could actually feel the contents of her stomach churn as she contemplated just how close he was. Just her small bathroom between them. Just two walls. She glanced at her clock and wanted to scream when she realized she'd only managed three hours sleep. Hermione had honestly thought that she would have managed to gain a little more rest considering how exhausted she'd been. But no. Evidently, her insomnia was here to stay. Joy. It was pushing nine in the already miserable morning, and she could already hear the usual raindrops tapping against her window. She knew that it was futile to try and get any more sleep, so she slowly eased herself out of bed, grabbed her bathrobe and wand, and headed for the shower. Keeping as quiet as she could, she peered out of her bedroom warily, catching sight of Malfoy's discarded and scuffed shoes. The remains of her optimism fluttered away with that final damning observation, and she quickly slipped into the bathroom. Shrugging off yesterday's clothes, she muttered a quick spell to flick on the shower at a high heat. The witch turned to look at herself in the mirror, brushing her knotted curls away from her face and fingering the shadowy crescents under her eyes. There was too much torture on her face, and it was tucked into the creases of her permanent frown. She looked like a tracing paper version of herself, paler and almost translucent, like frosted glass. She focused on her eyes and thanked Merlin when she saw the familiar glint in them, the spark of fire and determination that had always lingered, that had yet to be beaten. She was fine, just tired and wondering exactly how she was supposed to coexist with Malfoy. The mirror started to steam, so she turned away from her worrying reflection and released a content moan as the steamy water soothed her shape. She closed her eyes and massaged the soap into her skin, inhaling the vanilla scent with a calming breath. She lathered her arms first, then her shapely chest and flat stomach, and then bent down to stroke the length of her legs. This felt good, like normality, and she basked in the sensations. She could feel her muscles easing, and it was wonderful, relaxing enough that she allowed her ever-crowded mind to cease thinking, if only to shield the memories of last night. If only to forget that someone she despised was sharing her dorm, a death eater. It took a bit more soap, but she let it all go and allowed herself to escape because she knew it would only get harder from here. Merlin, forgive her for pretending it didn't exist for some stolen minutes. Draco lifted one heavy lid when a feminine moan seeped into the room. The whispers of running water had started to stir him a few moments ago but it was the strange sighs and mews that woke him completely. His brow furrowed when he didn't recognize his surroundings, and he raised his head to eye the room suspiciously. He remembered then. He remembered that he was in Hogwarts. Remembered he was sharing a dorm with the mudblood. Shit. He gnashed his teeth, and his eyes went to the window. Draco knew it wouldn't work, but he tried anyway. Flinging himself off the bed, and trying to shove it open. The clasp wouldn't budge. He drew back his fist and smashed it into the glass as hard as he could, but it didn't even crack. He growled as a small trickle of blood slithered across his knuckles. It hurt, but he'd had so much worse. Yes, definitely trapped. Definitely his new prison. Another female purr leaked into the air, 
and he instinctively reached for his wand to silence the irritating sounds. But he didn't have his wand, did he? Didn't have a bloody thing. Not even a set of clean clothes to put on. For fuck's sake, he muttered, heading back to the bed. He hadn't had enough rest. His movements were sluggish and his sight blurry. He had five months of sleep to catch up on, after all. And it would have been so easy if her incessant shower noises weren't polluting his atmosphere. He snatched the pillow and covered his ears, but it only muffled her. He had a sinking and scratching feeling that she did this every morning. Her imagination only managed to distract her for 15 minutes or so, before reality clawed its way back in. With a dejected breath, she stopped the water and left the shower, returning to the mirror and palming away the condensation. She gave this new reflection a ghost of a smile, deciding it was notably better. The warm water had roused a healthy blush to her skin, and she felt more human, more present. She wrapped the fluffy and practical bathrobe around her, and spared her damp and blurry reflection one last look before she grabbed her wand off the sink to mutter a quick drying charm for her hair, and then left the bathroom. Her fist had just closed around the knob to her bedroom when she heard a small knock at the main door. She cringed slightly, but sorted her wits and crossed her sitting room to answer it, and a genuine smile graced her features when she eyed her visitor. Hello, Dobby, she grinned, noting the large trunk behind him. Morning, miss, he nodded meekly, ever the nervous little soul. Headmistress said for Dobby to bring you this. Thank you, she said, knowing they were probably things for Malfoy. Could you do me a favor, Dobby? Yes, miss, the house elf chirped merrily. What does miss want Dobby to do? Could you possibly sort out some extra food for me, she requested, and I can come to collect it later? Dobby can bring it here. That's okay, she told him with a delicate wave of her hand. I'm going for a little walk later, so I'll pick it up. Honestly, it's fine. Yes, miss, he mumbled, obviously a little disappointed. I go now. Must help clean after breakfast. She wanted to tell him to stay, feeling substantially safer with someone she knew around. But he was gone with a snap of his fingers. She did some quick calculations in her head and realized that she hadn't seen any of her friends for five days, having spent all of her free time in the library, doing what she could to assist the order. She glanced behind her at Malfoy's door and concluded that she would need to meet with them soon. They were another dose of something normal, another escape. Hermione pulled her robe a little tighter around herself as a chilly breeze swept up the corridor and invaded her dorm. She jerked her wand to levitate the chest into her sitting area and let it crash to the floor with a loud thud just outside Malfoy's room. She considered giving him a shout to explain that he now had some belongings, but reasoned with her common sense that the Hogwarts motto was there for a reason. It really was best to let sleeping dragons lie, especially a prejudiced, psychotic dragon who was caged against his will. She jumped when the autumn breeze shoved her door closed with a piercing clap. And then she could hear movement coming from his room, accompanied by heated and masculine muttering that sounded like venom, even if it was just muffled nonsense behind the door. She considered running for her room to avoid the hassle, but the stubborn lioness within her couldn't allow it. She squared her shoulders defiantly and narrowed her eyes, preparing for the inevitable theatrics. His door was flung open with an agitated tug, hard enough that it bashed into the wall, but she beat the instinct to flinch. The frustrated Slytherin came into her sight, his tall body filling the doorframe and clumsily clad in his trousers and his unfastened black shirt. But she didn't notice. She refused to let her eyes wander lower than his bottom lashes, knowing that eye contact was power. It was control. You are doing my head in, he roared, his upper lip curled and his cheekbones high with irritation. Could you make any more sodding noise? You, you want me to make more noise, she replied, innocently cocking her head to the side. With a swish of her wand, all the doors in her dorm opened and then slammed closed again and she refused her instinct to blink at the heavy bangs. Better for you, Malfoy. Very mature of you, Granger, he sneered, and she could feel the intensity of his stare from across the room. You think you're so fucking clever. I think we can both agree that I am 
fucking clever, she cut in, a little uncomfortable with her swear word, but she covered it well. As you so eloquently put it, stop making so much noise, he growled, his voice a foreboding rumble that lingered between them. Stop banging things, stop talking, stop moving. I can do whatever the hell I want in my room, Hermione argued, faltering when he sidestepped the trunk and stalked towards her. She backed up against the wall and raised her wand, but he didn't cease his long strides. Don't come near me. As if I would fucking touch you, he growled, stopping only when the end of her wand prodded his chest. I would sooner die. Be my guest, she retorted quickly. It would be worth it. I'm warning you, Granger, he sneered. I refuse to put up with this. It's like having a dyspraxic giant in the room. Deal with it, she snapped, adding more pressure to his chest with her wand, although she would swear it only pushed her further against the wall. She quickly tugged her robe a little tighter around herself, but if he'd noticed her post-shower attire, he gave no indication whatsoever. Thank Merlin. I mean it, Granger, he scowled. Stop making noise or put a silencing spell on my room as if I would waste my magic to accommodate you. Then shut the fuck up, he yelled, slamming his fist into the wall beside her head. The castle's magic ensured there would be minimal damage, just a small dent. But the vibrations of the hit skimmed across the shell of her ear and roused a reluctant shiver. I need rest, and I can't get any if you won't shut your mudblood mouth. She drew her free hand back with the intention of hammering it into his creamy face, but maybe she was getting too predictable. Her angry eyes shifted to the long fingers tight round her wrist, and she felt her blood bubble like sun-stimulated acid. Let go of me. You've reached your punch quota for now, he told her quietly. Too quiet. You're going to have to wait another four years. Let go of my arm, she advised, biting out each syllable, or I swear I will. You'll what? he challenged tightening his hold and thrusting her hand against the wall right next to the dent his fist had left. Her next move was instinctive and quick. Her wand was at his throat, stabbing the space between his Adam's apple and a vein that spasmed with his rage. Her eyes locked onto his defiantly, daring him to goad her further. Hermione didn't doubt for a second that she would hex him to Hogsmeade and back if he continued to tease her fragile temper, but his iron-gray eyes barely flickered, and the grip on her wrist remained firm. Go ahead, Granger. And it was his confidence that rattled her the most, that stirred her magic to pour out of her wand and scorch his skin. You fucking bitch, he shouted, stumbling back and clutching the fresh burn on his neck. You'll pay for that. I've had enough of you, she told him, her wand still trained on the blonde. Go back to your room and get some sleep. Don't even try to boss me around, you filthy... I'm going out, Hermione explained steadily, even if her anger was begging to skip into her words. So you will have a good few hours undisturbed sleep. I suggest you make the most of them. Then piss off already, he grumbled, turning his back to her and heading to his room. Another door slammed, and she allowed herself to grimace this time. She needed to get out. The living room was tainted with new and uninvited scents and she felt like a hunted badger being smoked out of her set. She tore her gaze away from his door and rushed to her bedroom, changing as quickly as she physically could. Fully dressed in her jeans and a comfortable jumper to fight the cold, she swiftly left her head-girl dorm and started for the library. The walk was so much longer than she remembered, and the students that were littered sparsely in the corridors were watching her. She would swear it. But they couldn't know about her vile houseguest could they? Their lingering stares said otherwise, and she quickened her paranoid steps until she was racing with burning thighs and slapping footfalls. And then she smacked straight into a tall wall of flesh, but at least it was polite enough to catch her before she fell. Neville, she gasped, regaining her balance on his outstretched arms. Oh, thank God. Hermione, he breathed with evident concern. Are you all right? You... I'm fine, she rushed tucking a stray curl away with trembling fingers. I'm sorry, I wasn't looking where I was. You're really pale, Neville commented. Are you ill or something? No, not ill, she shook her head, offering him a false smile. I just haven't had any breakfast yet. 
We haven't seen you in ages, he told her, and she realized just then how much he'd matured. Ginny and Luna were saying they missed you yesterday, and... I know I've been rubbish lately, she sighed, her eyes downcast. I'm sorry. I've just been trying to help Harry and Ron. You need a break, Hermione, he told her. It's not good for you, and you really do look ill. Just come and meet us for dinner later? She was too tired to protest. All right, she mumbled, earning a pleased smile from her friend. I'll meet you in the Great Hall later. She slipped past him without waiting for a reply and continued her urgent pursuit for the library, shuddering when a hungry growl of thunder shimmied along the corridors. But it was okay. She could see her target now. She threw herself against the doors and savored a deep breath to still her jittery chest. Her cider-tinted gaze flickered around the empty chairs and abandoned desks, instinctively knowing that the vast space was only hers yet again. Even Madame Pince had spent less and less time amongst her precious books and tomes, instead passing most of her time with the professors. Company could do that for some people, distract from the fear and grief. She supposed that most people found it more appropriate to enjoy the company of loved ones instead of preparing for exams that might never come to pass. Perhaps even she would have snubbed her favorite hobby if she could actually see any of her loved ones, but she couldn't. Hermione went straight to her usual table, right at the back in the restricted section. Her desk was tucked away amongst the seldom-used bookshelves, with the perfect amount of seclusion for her to toss aside her troubling notions and swim away with the paragraphs. This was her sanctuary. Lost with the seductive, ink-kissed pages, she could forget almost anything. She accioed her most recent text on horcruxes and started to read, praying that Malfoy's sneering features would be erased from her mind, at least for a little while. Draco dragged the trunk into his room and quickly examined the contents with a critical eye. Well, it could have been substantially worse. While the clothes consisted of items he would have never picked himself, at least there were no horrid hints of red or gold amongst the fabrics. There were a few pairs of black trousers, some white and black shirts, and then three or four polo jumpers in black and gray, too. At the bottom of the chest were some simple vests and a set of standard wizarding robes, accompanied with some black shoes, socks, and extra underwear. It was more than he'd expected, but less than he'd hoped for. With a bitter grunt, he started to organize them in the provided wardrobe the muggle way. Merlin, he missed his wand. McGonagall may as well have ripped off one of his limbs, the sodding cow. His wand had managed to keep him occupied when he'd been confined to the shed with Snape. Whether he'd simply stretched the extent of his conjuring and transfiguration skills or practiced new spells, it had always encouraged time to go that little bit quicker. And now that scraggly old hag had confiscated the only thing he could use to divert himself from hollow hours of nothingness. He changed his clothes and simply sat on his bed for Merlin knew how long, trying to think of something to do. He was no idiot. He knew that his inactivity and the imprisonment would do damaging things to him. His sleeping pattern was already buggered, and it was only a matter of time before his mind would start to close in on itself. He'd read the countless stories of foolish wizards who had locked themselves in closets and eventually gone insane after staring at the same four walls and having nothing to do. He needed a deterrent, something to concentrate on and provide him with a goal, no matter how insignificant it seemed. Draco headed into the main area of the dorm and steered himself toward the small kitchenette, pointlessly plucking open the cabinets. They were full of the expected products, but he had no idea how to prepare them without his magic. He settled on two green apples and slowly scanned his surroundings, his stormy eyes settling on a set of shelves, practically buckling under the weight of various books. He stared at them for a long minute, rationalizing that reading would be an ideal way to keep him engaged. But no, they were the mudbloods. He didn't want to touch her things if he could help it. He continued to study the room as he gnawed away at the ripe fruit and absently started counting. She didn't meet her friends for lunch. It was a conscious decision and one that she had regretted a few hours later, but she'd honestly thought she'd found something interesting. 
However, she'd forgotten that the French and Latin translations for the word crux were two entirely different things. She'd made a quick trip to the kitchens to collect the extra food she'd requested and grab a simple ham sandwich, but otherwise didn't leave the library. When the day had finally started to simmer into the evening, she'd barely noticed. Time was an irrelevant mess amongst the creaking bookcases, but when night blanketed the sky and her lumos started to waver alongside her concentration, she decided it was best she returned to her room. A sad glance at her watch informed her that it was midnight, and it had been yet another disappointing day without any progress. She blamed the echoes of her argument with Malfoy for her inability to engage completely with her task, but accepted that her insomnia probably didn't help. Trudging her aching limbs back to her room, she allowed herself a relieved sigh when she found her dorm bathed in darkness and no sign of the Slytherin bastard who should have been suffocating in an Azkaban cell. Mumbling a spell to illuminate the room, she set about putting the food in the appropriate cupboards and made herself a clumsy cup of tea. And then she could feel eyes on her, rubbing angry splinters into the back of her head. With a startled gasp, she spun around and knocked over her hot drink to find him loitering in his doorframe again, observing her with fresh irritation. He watched her closely, like a territorial wolf who'd missed two meals. He'd been waiting for her to return after the inevitable boredom had ignited the idea to pick a fight with her the moment she'd walked through the door. "'Little jumpy there, Granger,' he remarked quietly, crossing his arms. "'Do I make you uncomfortable?' "'You make me sick,' she told him squarely, her words crisp with honesty. "'Believe me when I say the feeling's mutual.' he snarled. You're making noise again. Shut up and go to bed. Put some silencing spells on my room. No, the witch yelled, her chest inflating as she drew in a seething breath. I made it very clear that I would not waste my magic on you. Yes, you will, he responded calmly, taking a few strides and effectively circling her. I shouldn't have to listen to you. Well, tough luck, she snapped, slamming her palms against the counter between them. This is my room. I shouldn't have to listen to you or even look at you. Tough luck, Draco echoed, a crease slicing across his forehead with impatience. Take it up with the old bitch and do us both a favor. Shut up, she shouted, scrunching her eyes closed and quaking with her anger now. Just stay out of my way, Malfoy. And how the fuck am I supposed to do that? He fired back. In case you haven't noticed, I can't leave your little shitty dorm, and it's hardly the most spacious room. Her glare flickered with the gaze of oncoming tears, but she fought them away before he could notice. Then just stay in your room. No, he interrupted arrogantly, placing his own hands on the counter and bringing his face to her level. No, I find watching you squirm too amusing, mudblood. Do you honestly think that silly little word bothers me anymore? She questioned with lowered eyebrows. Do you really believe I care what you think? I think you care a lot about how people perceive you. You are not people, she barked, smacking her palms down on the surface again. You are just... You're just... Go on, Granger, he encouraged, his voice deceptively inviting. How exactly do you feel about me? I'm curious. She paused and panted out a couple of hot breaths as her glare roved over his sharp and expectant face. His pebble-gray eyes were as hard as quartz, cold and illegible. They didn't waver, just waited for her answer. He wanted to know? Fine. It had been writhing under her skin for longer than he could comprehend and she could stand. You're the most spoiled and selfish person I've ever known, she told him quietly, enunciating each tangy syllable. You have done nothing in your entire life but bully people, and you wouldn't know a real friend if they slapped you in the face, because you're too busy looking down at everyone to give a shit. He snorted. I'll have you know. I'm not finished, she spat, aiming her wand at him for good measure. For years, you have just managed to avoid becoming exactly like your father, evil, you will not talk about my father, he shouted, too enraged to consider the wand by his chest. You have no fucking right. 
You wanted my opinion, she retorted. I always knew you were a vile little bastard, but I never thought you would become so twisted that you would become a death eater. Harry knew. He tried to tell us, but no. For some stupid reason, I thought you had a small dose of decency left in you, and I was wrong. First time for, and you turned into what everyone expected, she ignored him, pulling away and pacing a few angry steps to the side. Follower to Voldemort, and pathetic excuse for a human because you couldn't even do that right. He growled. There it was, being shoved in his face again. His failure. Are you quite done? She sent him a fierce scowl, and he noted it was so much more intense than any look she'd ever dared to flash him before. Good. Getting her all riled up was bloody hilarious. You are sick and spiteful, she hissed, feeling her magic crackle between them as she tried to steady her sparking emotions. And you always will be, and I find that very sad. You want to know what I feel for you? Pity. That you could allow yourself to become what you are. Another guttural rumble quivered at the back of his throat. Predictable as ever, Granger, he slurred. Always convinced there's good in everyone. Not everyone, she hushed him, and she almost sounded forlorn. Not you. Not anymore. Well, at least you're learning not to set yourself up for disappointment. He shrugged his bored shoulders, cocking an eyebrow when she took some more steps away from him. Where are you going? Bed, she muttered, sparing him another golden spiced glare. I am done with this. Hold on now, he protested, marching to block her exit. It's my turn. I thought I made it very clear, she mumbled past tense lips, that I didn't care about your opinion of me. I didn't care about your opinion of me, he said slowly, straightening his back to loom over her. But you asked, because I thought it would be amusing, he revealed, indulging in a cruel smirk, and I was right. I know how you feel about me, she argued, trying her hardest to act nonchalant. Mudblood this, bookworm that, you're rather predictable yourself, Malfoy. I may surprise you. Merlin cursed her curiosity for shrouding her common sense for the umpteenth time. Fine, she grumbled, eyeing him warily and tightening the fingers coiled around her wand. How do you feel about me, Malfoy? You repulse me, he sneered with sudden hostility. The fact that we have to breathe the same air makes me want to vomit. You're disgusting, a rancid sneer across the wizarding world. You don't deserve your magic. Repetitive nonsense, she forced her eyes to roll. I'm going to bed now. Move or I'll make you. I'm just building up, he promised darkly, and something untamed and severe flared beyond his stony eyes. She shifted her feet but refused to look away. Needed to keep eye contact. Control. I don't... You know you don't deserve your magic, he continued, baring his ivory teeth in an accusing snarl. And that's why you work so hard, isn't it? That's why you spend all your pathetic time studying. I happen to like reading. But you feel the need to prove yourself. Draco silenced her with a confident and condescending tone. Because you know your magic isn't rightfully yours. Uncertainty mingled with honey. And he relished his victorious grin. Because you know you're inferior. Her lip twitched. His smirk stretched. And that's why it still kills you when I call you mudblood, he finished with delicious smugness, bobbing his head with a proud nod. He could see that Gryffindor tenacity fighting to control her tongue, so he stepped aside and headed for his bedroom door, satisfied that she was suitably rattled. Well, at least the revolting muggle spawn had successfully managed to provide some entertainment for the stole-as-dust day. His fingers had just grazed the brass of the door handle, when there was a hot push against his spine, propelling him forward. He smacked head first into the adjacent wall and released a grunt of discomfort as he slid down the cold surface. The impact was still buzzing across his skin, but he knew the pain would replace it within a heartbeat or a hum of breath. He raised his head with every intention of charging Granger and smacking her into the wall, but he barely caught her blurred shape ghost into her room before the shrill bite of a blunt door deafened him for a moment. The pain subsided after a few seconds, just a little bump to his head and an ache in his back. He quickly gathered himself to his feet 
and his eyes did a slow scan of the room, his dilated pupils focusing on the bookshelves again. Ah, yes, his previous distraction before the mudblood had returned. He had always been good with numbers and had decided that counting would be the thing to keep him sane. Granger had 101 books in her room, 56 of which were black, 40 red, 3 blue, and 2 green. Across all the spines were a total of 460 words, excluding the author's names. He had double-checked this and stored the information away in his head, and Draco's stare recommenced roaming around the room, searching for his next counting project for tomorrow, his next sanity-preserving task. But his eyes automatically fell to her door, and he felt the rage bristle along the fine hairs coating his body and sink into his pores. Entertaining or not, the girl made his temper churn. He would find something else to count tomorrow. Hermione slumped against the door and hastily murmured the silencing charms before she released a gargled sob. Dear Merlin, she hated him. Hated him. She roughly smudged away her treacherous tears and stumbled on shaky legs as she made her way to her bed. She was denied a blink of sleep all night, and the witch's anger at the slimy Slytherin niggled at her until the birds came with the navy morning. She despised the birds, and that was day one. Okay, well, chapter three, that was a great chapter. We got some initial fighting and interaction between Draco and Hermione, so we're really kicking it off in this one. Um, I have a guest back <laughs> for the third time, and guess who it is? My boyfriend, Matt. <laughs> third time's a charm. Yay! <laughs> Are you excited to be back? I'm, I'm always excited to be back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What did you think of this chapter? Uh, I thought that it went according to plan. Uh, you know, Draco said, I'm going to fight. And he fought. And Hermione said, I'm going to fight. And she fought. <laughs> and Neville, or yeah, Neville said, I'm going to get dinner. And he did. And Hermione didn't join him. <laughs> So yeah, that's true. Everything kind of went according to plan because that didn't go sure. according to plan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Oh my gosh. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, okay. So, in the beginning of this chapter, Hermione wakes up and she's kind of the inner monologue is saying that she had these vivid nightmares. Her insomnia is running rampant, uh, which I can relate to. <laughs> she. Uh, Let's see. So she takes a shower and something I really liked about this whole scene was that she, in her mind, she's talk like, she's basically thinking about how like showers always feel normal. And so there's a sense of normalcy and escape with her, um, shower time. And I always feel like that too, especially now. Like, I feel like when I take a shower, I'm like, okay, I can breathe. Like, I don't have, I, this is a set aside time that I'm not doing something like schoolwork or going to work or planning things or whatever it is. You know, it's like that set aside time to kind of just have your own thoughts. What do you think about that? Uh, I would say it didn't seem normal because didn't she cast a spell that instantly dried her hair? Yeah. And so I was like, that doesn't seem normal. I would uh, love that. I would, I would, <laughs> if, if there is one everyday spell that I would want in my life, if I could do one piece of magic, it would be that. I think you would pick that for me too because my hair is always wet and you're like, ugh, gross. <laughs> yeah, and it wasn't just that. She Didn't she cast a spell to like, like turn heat on up the, the shower yeah. or no, heat it up or something? To like, turn it on to a warm temperature, yeah. You can't even use your hand to turn the dial to turn the water. And I was like, well, maybe they don't yeah. have one in a wizarding shower. I don't know. But yeah, that's the stuff that really gets to me. You know, <laughs> it's not all the nuance and all of the, uh, you know, yeah, no. the nuance between their fighting or the inner monologue. No, it's that Hermione can dry her hair instantly. No, and I love that too. she can heat the water up instantly. <laughs> You know what? I think some of that, some of that day-to-day um, kind of quick spell stuff is trying to also, because later in the chapter we see that Draco's like instinctively grabbing for his wand 
just to, you know, put his clothes away or something. And, uh, I feel like that's almost setting us up to realize or subconsciously realize how much they use magic on a day-to-day basis. And I think even at one point in the chapter, Draco mentions that McGonagall might as well have just taken away one of his limbs with, by taking away his, his wand because, uh, I mean, that's, we're kind of seeing that, right? Like every single thing that they do in life, they use magic. And so, I mean, again, that goes back to the fact that he's like missing a huge part of his identity right now. Except for the food, though, because at the very beginning, Dobby showed up (laughs) and she asked him for food. And then she went to the kitchen and she got it. So I was actually surprised at the normalcy of that. Mm. I thought she was just going to apparate a sandwich (laughs) in the library or something. Or maybe, well, they maybe you're not allowed to eat in there, and she wouldn't do that. But yeah. I thought she was going to apparate food. <laughs> and no, Dobby uh, didn't. Yeah, yeah wasn't, Dobby got food for mm-hmm. her, So Well, that's a big thing, too, in this chapter. We get Dobby. Dobby is like a part of this story. That's awesome, right? Yeah. I mean, sad, because I know what happens to him in the well, regular stuff. this is a fanfic. Who knows? I know. I was like, he's back. I was like, Dobby 2.0 here. <laughs> Mech Dobby, he's back from... Uh... Every time I hear the phrase, he's back, I always think of that, um, I always think of Fudge at the end of, um, oh my gosh, at the end of Order of the Phoenix of the movie. You know, he comes in and, or, yeah, is it, yeah, it's Order of the Phoenix when they're in the ministry, and, um, oh. and the very end, he's like, he comes and he sees Voldemort yeah. right when he, before he goes away, and he's like, mm-hmm. he's back. <laughs> That's like the end of the movie. <laughs> Every time that I hear that phrase, I, I think of that. That is actually kind of funny. Yeah. And that guy was denying that Voldemort was back, right? The whole time, so yeah. Was, yeah. Yeah. And he said it in such a thematic... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Is that word thematic? Yeah, so, something like that. Theatric. Uh, maybe that's theatric, like, exactly, yeah. In a theatric way. It's very dramatic. It's like, <gasps> he's back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh my gosh, I yeah. wish he was there for this then, yeah. He was in the room yeah. and just to, you know, give us some uh, dialogue. There. <laughs> yeah. He's back, Tommy. <laughs> he's back. Dobby's here. Um, yeah, no, so, okay, back to the food thing. That's another, that's going to be another, food is going to be a central aspect of this, of this fic. So, we'll see that a little bit later. Um, but, no, that's, that's interesting that you, that you mentioned that. You can't, so there are, like, laws within the wizarding world that, um, the author has, has set up. Um, like the original author I'm talking about, J.K. Rowling. Uh, there are laws with food, right? And I think it's called like, oh my gosh, I'm going to butcher the name. I should have looked it up. Anyway, there's like, there are specific food rules where you can't conjure food. Like that's why they have the, the elves in the kitchens at, at, um, at Hogwarts making all the food. And then they, when it appears up on the tables, it's just appearing from like above or from below from in the kitchens like the food the elves all make it you know what i mean really? yeah that's yeah, a I thing in the book i thought they actually yeah another thing but i thought they just kind of apparated food in the great hall or whatever i feel like it's like they have elves making gallops food. gallops law or something gallops third law i'm gonna look it up because i can't remember what it's called but yeah like jk rowling made like she set it all up and made all these food laws basically with it so um yeah no that's interesting they can't just you know create create food um let's see here okay yeah no i i, I think all that stuff's really interesting so then we get from draco's perspective um he's in the room he wakes up and he he, he wakes up because he hears hermione like mewing in the shower which is a very interesting word to describe that. I know it's like I was like trying, a cat. I, I had to read that like five times to just figure out what what she meant by that word mewing. <laughs> yeah, it's like is that the word she used? She used mew. Yeah, mew. Yeah. Um, I think it's like it, it's very cat like to me. I think a lot of the the um wording the word choice in this fic too. It at least in this chapter, it's very animalistic. You know, Hermione is thinking of Draco as like a wolf, like he's wolf-like, and then she uses the word, um, like his his sounds are like venom, you know, and then, 
Um, she's, she's a lioness, you know, like all of these words are being used. And I, I was thinking that was really interesting that there are a lot of like animalistic, um, yeah, word choices, animal word choices in this, this chapter specifically. And I feel like that's almost setting us up for this like cat fight, you know, <laughs> like, like their, their animals are going against, against each other. You know, I don't know if that has any stock, but well, they, they already are, right? Yeah. And she hit him with a spell, so they're already cat fighting. Yeah, yeah, she hit him with a spell. And, well, I, I, it, yeah, the magic came out of her wand and hurt him. But he was grabbing her wrist, so that was a little aggressive. Yeah. Do not rough house Hermione. Okay, yeah, that's no, she will, that. she almost punched him. I thought that line was really funny, too, because um, he, he says something like, I... Uh, <laughs> you have to wait another four years to punch me again, which was totally a, you know, throwback to third year when she punched him. Hmm. I thought that was cute. I like how she didn't describe the spell at all. It just described it from Draco's point of view where he's like walking yeah. back to his room and he just gets hit out of nowhere and launched into a wall. Oh, I think she pushes him, doesn't she? I thought she hit him with a spell. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Maybe she does. And maybe I read that wrong, but that was what I thought. Man, I, I don't remember. He's walking I know, but yeah, maybe. The door, and then right when his hand touches the door, he feels like a searing pain. I, I thought it was a spell, but maybe, I don't know. No, maybe, yeah, you could totally be right. I, I'm not remembering that. Because um, it was also, wasn't there some line that said the magic was flowing or flowed out of her wand or she couldn't control it or something, her anger? Um, yeah. Did I read that right? I'm not sure. No, I'm looking for it. His fingers had just grazed, blah, 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 the plane for her. Yeah, no, okay, so earlier in the chapter, she has her wand on him, and then the spell kind of comes out of the wand. I don't think she, like, consciously tried to hit him with something, but um, that's the spell part. This is... <laughs> yeah, there was a hot push against his spine, propelling him forward. So I don't know. That could have been a spell. I always assumed that that was her pushing him and then running away. <laughs> but it, it totally could be a spell. What's the word? Um, yeah, it's a hot. There was a hot push against his spine. That's interesting oh, because I w- I've I always assumed, assumed that was a spell. Oh, that's funny. I thought that was a spell, and and the author just didn't describe it as a spell. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, I was assumed I mean, it was usually her. They like do usually they say pushing him. She casts some kind of thing, or it's yeah. kind of spilled out. But I actually thought it was interesting the way it was written that uh, Beck Chan didn't say that. So I actually am not sure. That's a good question. Yeah. I'm oh gonna, my gosh. I'm gonna assume it's a spell because that's way okay. more cool in my mind. <laughs> yeah, that would be cool. You know? Yeah, if she was just <laughs> angry and just yeah, I always assumed back to kind of that animalistic thing. Like I was assumed that she just is so mad she like runs over and just pushes him and then runs away <laughs> but i mean that's almost even cooler yeah. actually in the way you describe it <laughs> that's always how i pictured it but but either way i mean she's a badass i would not mess with her i would not mess with her at all i mean this is like this is all he has right like he even describes that um at one point he says okay it says boredom ignited the idea in him to f- just pick a fight with her when she got back so he was waiting for her in the dark by the way which is really creepy <laughs> He was waiting for her, and then, um, like, with the the sole intention to pick a fight with her. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting. I kind of got that, to be honest. And actually, yeah. I thought it was interesting when Draco was, uh, his inner monologue was talking about how he actually had some previous knowledge about wizards going insane because <laughs> they yeah. accidentally locked themselves in some kind of chamber or something. <laughs> so apparently that has happened before, and Draco's worried about that happening for him, so... That's kind of interesting that uh, he's actually thinking about that already. I mean, he's right. only been in this uh, cage or isolation for, what, a day or two now? Yeah. He's he's already kind of worried about that. And if you think about it from that perspective, actually, when Hermione gets back and all these fights, he's picking. He almost he almost kind of has to. He's yeah. forced to. You know, I mean, he's got he's to interact with her in some way or he's going to go insane, actually, mm-hmm. clinically. And he's yeah. gonna he's gonna die or something. I mean, and Draco's not just gonna be a nice guy sitting there saying, "Hey, let's have a chat" or something. I mean, of course he's gonna fight. So, yeah, Draco for his own mental health must fight. <laughs> that is actually an interesting point. Yeah, wow, that's interesting. Um, 
Yeah, no, I, I think that that actually suggests that he's really smart. I mean, I, I think it really does, and, and that he reads, too, because, you know, he he knows that from research, right, or from, from reading things. And I think um, even in this chapter, he said he wanted to read, and he yeah. has one, 101 books or something. Did I Maybe I remember that number exactly right. Yeah, exactly. 101 is popping yeah. in my head. Maybe, maybe not, but... I think it is, yeah. So there's a lot of books on her shelf, and he wanted to read, but he wasn't going to read a mudbloods books or yeah, something. Yeah, he didn't right? want to touch her books, yeah. right? So he yeah. wanted to, but he's too proud to yet. Okay, can we take a second and just say that he... I love Beck Chan. I love this so much. Um... He's eating, He at one point, he's eating two green apples. Do you get that reference at all? That little... No. Oh my gosh. So there's a whole thing, there's a whole fandom called Drapple. It's like Draco with an apple. Because in the in the movies, he's eating, like, it, he always has, like, a green apple. Like, even in, even in the third movie, he has a green apple at one point that he's eating. And then later on, it's like a, it's a little theme. But he's always eating a green apple. Well, he's healthy. He's a healthy guy. He's a healthy. We guy. should all be eating more apples. <laughs> yeah. But but the, all of the imagery of him eating green apples throughout the movies sparked. I've never read it, but sparked some kind of drapple fandom where <laughs> there are fix out there of him. I don't know eating an apple. I have no idea what what it is, but I'm really curious now that I'm thinking about it. Well, I'm glad it exists. Yes, yes. If nothing else, it's it's to, you know, let us know we're supposed to get our, our apples in our diet. So. <laughs> I don't do enough of that, so thank you, Draco, for that. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I just thought that was a really cute little addition that, you know, it's a little nod to all of that, that he's eating some green apples. And it's apples. not one apple, it's two apples. It's two. I didn't realize that. I don't know what the significance yeah. is of that, but, I mean, maybe just because he needs more food, but <laughs> I just thought that was funny. <laughs> Um, okay, at one point in this chapter, uh, in Hermione's inner monologue, she's saying she doesn't want to let her eyes wander because she's noticing the clothes he's wearing when he comes out of the room. And uh, she doesn't want to, she is thinking about not wanting to let her eyes wander lower than his, than his lower lashes. I thought that was interesting. I was like, ooh, okay. Hmm, what's the saying right now? <laughs> I didn't pick up on that at all. I actually oh. completely <laughs> forgot. I didn't realize that happened. That's a, yeah. that's an interesting observation. <laughs> yeah, I wrote that down in my little notes here. <laughs> oh, okay. So what's what's she thinking about? <laughs> you would notice that though. I'm noticing the the spells that she's using to yeah. turn the shower on, and you're <laughs> noticing what she's. Hey, saying. I wrote that down too. I wrote that down too. <laughs> okay. I'm not all. My mind's not totally in the gutter. I promise. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, she's probably just glad he's not wearing his Slytherin robe or whatever, you know, or he's wearing his snake outfit or, yeah, you know, I mean, whose clothes are these? Who uh, McGonagall went and got them, right? So yeah. maybe McGonagall stole them from somebody and somebody's looking for their clothes in Hogwarts right now. And <laughs> Drago's just walking around with some. Honestly, you know? it could be. Yeah. We don't know. Oh, that's funny. Um, I like some of the word choice in this chapter also because, um, it's kind of suggestive, <laughs> and again, you wouldn't have noticed this probably, but I noticed this. <laughs> like at one point, um, when Draco grabs her wrist, the wording is he he thrust her hand against the wall. I was like, ooh, okay, <laughs> that's interesting. <laughs> I was thinking that's not very nice, Draco. Oh, I was like, ooh, okay, some <laughs> remove your hand from this lass's wrist. <laughs> You're such a respectful. <laughs> I'm thinking, ooh, thrusting. Yes, thrusting against the wall. Bad, bad Draco. That's all I was thinking. <laughs> I was happy when she hit him with a spell. Oh my gosh, I love it. I wanted him to have his wand because I want them to have like a, a, a duel, you know? Yeah. But. Well, who knows? Maybe. Happened. Hermione's going to be just beating the crap out of him. Maybe at some point they will. We don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Um, So. Something I thought we could all, or at least a lot of us, could relate to in this chapter is that Hermione hasn't seen her friends in a few days, and um, she's spending all of her time in the library. She's talking about uh, how seeing her friends is kind of like the shower thing. It's like an escape, and it's a sense of normalcy, and I was thinking, 
you know, during right now, during this pandemic, we, a lot of us can't see our friends. Um, and now there are kind of measures that we can take to stay safe and still see people. But at least in the beginning of this thing, um, I think a lot of us were really noticing right when everyone had to stay home that, wow, that missing that piece, um, and even just virtually seeing people is not the same as being able to gather and share space with people. So I thought that that was really interesting, you know, that like the, the whole fic is called isolation, you know, she's, she, she has access to them in a, in a way, but she's also isolated mentally and, um, you know, by feeling like she needs to escape in the library, but, um, but by not seeing her friends and especially not seeing her best friends and her family, that is particularly challenging. But she consciously chooses not to have dinner with them. That's true. Because she did run into to Neville and he invited her and she said yes. And then mm-hmm. uh, I'm pretty sure the words that were used were she consciously decided not to, yeah. uh, to go eat with them. So but I just like, imagine Luna and Neville and them just waiting for her. Sure. It's 2 a.m. and they're just like, all right, I guess she's not coming, guys. And they're just yeah. sad. And but you know, they're not. It's <laughs> just not cool. I mean, that's kind of, I don't know how to put this. I feel like that's pretty normal for someone who is in that kind of situation, right? Like, I've definitely felt like that where I just don't have the mental energy to see people. Even if they do give me life, even if I do want to see them and and be around them, if if I'm not mentally in the right headspace, especially with all this stuff that's going on right now, it's like, yikes, so much is going on. I can't even think... It would take a lot of energy, you know, just to to do something like seeing your friends and putting on a face and all this kind of stuff when her family is like she can't see your family in this time. And there's a war. We're on the they're on the brink of war. Her best friends could die any day or be caught any day, you know. So like even if she has the option to go eat with them and, and, and see them, like I don't know if she even has the mental energy for that. Yeah, that's probably probably uh, you know one of the reasons why she didn't do it. Yeah. I mean, I kind of wanted her to go because I wanted to see how she navigates not telling them that Draco mm-hmm. is living in her room. So I actually thought yeah. that was going to be kind of interesting, and I was a little disappointed we didn't get to see that. But yeah, you know, I mean, she's uh, trying to study for the Horcrux stuff and help where she can. And she, mm-hmm. I think it's kind of described in the past that she hasn't really been having much success there, and. Obviously, this Draco thing is another uh, thing she's dealing with now. So, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think anyone's really blame her for not doing it. But I can just imagine poor Neville's sad <laughs> face just sitting there at the, the gray hall. I mean, just getting getting stood up by Hermione. Okay, come on. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, poor Neville. But Luna, wait, Ginny. Luna was there, though. And, and where, where are we at again? Is, is, no, no, no. Neville and Luna get together at the very end, right? So No, I don't think so. What they get? Well, they get to better get together in like the seventh or the final thing, right? Yeah, but he marries someone else. Like I think he just he, he does. Yeah, he doesn't marry her. I forget who he marries. Oh, that just ruined the oh, whole like, Harry yeah. Potter universe Sunday. for me. Oh my god! I always assumed that that they were together. No, I think they. He, he like kisses Luna at the very end. No, he doesn't kiss her. He she just sits next to him. But I can't remember what's in the books, so I would I'd have to look to the books, not the movies. Sometimes that can be different. But like, yeah, no, he just says like, yeah, I'm gonna go find Luna and kiss her, and then the just next time we see them together, They're like just she, together. she just sits next Luna to him. Luna just shot him down. He's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't. No, he marries like Hannah Abbott or somebody. Like oh, I can't remember, but he marries okay. somebody else. I was gonna say, well, I mean, maybe uh, my point was gonna be maybe Hermione did him a favor and they were on a nice <laughs> little private date. They weren't. They didn't realize they were oh. going to be. You know, Hermione was basically setting him up, and that was maybe that was her plan. That's my that was my optimistic wow. idea. But well, Ned, you, now you just shot it down because now they're not even together. So I love this idea. I really love it. <laughs> I'm interested to see what happens with Luna later. Hint. <gasps> no hints. I'm not giving anything away. <laughs> Luna kills Voldemort. That would be fun. That would be really fun. <laughs> I would love that. I, I do like the idea of, like, Neville. You were talking about this the other day. The idea of Neville defeating Voldemort in the end or something. Like, some kind of alternate ending Holy where... Shit. 
you know, because he was the other possible person. I mean, he kills Nagini in the real books, but. And after that amazing speech, when they all thought Harry was dead, and he said he didn't care, and yeah. they're going to keep fighting. I mean, come <laughs> on. That, that's, like, Neville should have Neville should have killed Voldemort. I mean, mm. That's what I was rooting for. I know. You were rooting for it. Okay, so last, lastly, um, let's just go to the very end of this chapter. Uh, they talk about what they think about each other. And I'm curious, I'm really curious about this because Draco brings it up, right? You know, he says, how do you, how do you feel about me? Right? Mm-hmm. And, and then at the end, I mean, she's telling him and then at the end he's like, oh, I didn't really care. I just wanted to hear, it was just, it would, it would amuse me. I thought it would amuse me. And he's then, a troll. Like the actual definition of a troll in the wizarding world. <laughs> he's a troll. No, he's but... that guy in the YouTube comments that, you know, he just, he just wants a reaction. That was, that, that's exactly what he said. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's, I mean, it's a little bit of it, but it's also like, I mean, she sparks reactions in him too, like genuine reactions. Because, you know, when she says something about his father, it's all... Or failure. Like, he hates that his word. His father and mm-hmm. failure. Like anything about that, which he invited, you know, he, he gets genuinely triggered by it you know <laughs> draco it's triggered yeah it's a, yeah 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 and she i what i like about this part too is hermione even tells him about the suspicions that she that that she doubted that harry you know when harry had his suspicions about draco being a death eater you know the whole time um in the sixth book Harry's telling Hermione and Ron, like, no, he's a Death Eater, I'm telling you. And the whole time she's like, no, like, no, he, it's, he's not deep down like that. He, he wouldn't actually be a Death Eater. Um, and then, and then she's like, you couldn't even do that right. So there's the failure shoved in his face. And... <laughs> I know, that was rough. I was I like, mean, wow, was Hermione, really... that's, that's good. Yeah. She should be one of those, like, uh, rap battle people or something. Because <laughs> you have to come up with those kind of, like, an eight mile. on the fly. I'm just like, well, it was good. Yeah, it was like, have you seen good. Eight Mile? Uh, no, I've no oh, idea. we should watch that. It's uh, the Eminem's movie. Eminem's has movie. Okay. Yeah, it's like I'm learning lo- based on his life, like loosely based on his life. Anyway, um, and he there's can, a he can major rap, rap Hermione. Then <laughs> there's know? a major rap battle at the end. There are like several little ones, but there's a major rap battle at the end. I, I, like my mom and I used to just go and listen to that one rap battle because it's that good. <laughs> Wait, it was. It's always just <sighs> kind of satisfying. It's like oh, yes, get it. <laughs> It's it, not. I gotta watch it again because I don't know how bad that is now. <laughs> but, um. Well, maybe Draco and Hermione will have a rap battle next chapter. So maybe that's my prediction. Maybe that's your prediction. Yep. Uh, what do you actually think though about uh, where this is going based off of where we left off of this chapter? Well, now that you pointed this out, I think Draco's gonna eat more apples. Oh, okay. A lot okay. more apples. Next chapter will be three apples. <laughs> yeah. Every chapter goes up one, and then it's four and five. Sure. Sure. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I think, uh, Draco is going to continue his antics and, uh, piss off Hermione. And then mm-hmm. there's going to be some kind of boiling over point and they're going to have a real, real fight. Okay. And then, uh, from there, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if the wizarding world can survive that kind of <laughs> confrontation. They're kind of, I mean, I, I, something I will say that I really like about just even, reading back through these initial fights, um, is that she can really, I'm, I'm really impressed, uh, with how much she can fight back with him. I mean, they, they really can hold their own against each other. You know, they, they challenge each other enough. And I, I think that like, even that dynamic as toxic as it is right now, as like terrible as it is and how much they hate each other right now, I do really like that that's something that they can they they're pretty equal on right they i mean they seem really equal on it they can they can fight each other back and forth they're really great at fighting each other <laughs> they're equals in fighting each other <laughs> yeah that's their best quality sure why not <laughs> is it is it healthy probably not but it's the situation so <laughs> they just gotta deal with it yeah <laughs> okay well that is that's chapter three of isolation. Um, next week, I think it's a little longer. So chapter four, I'm excited. Oh, you know what? No, next week is our chapter. 
it's our fifth episode, chapter four, but it's our fifth episode. And um, for episode five, I'm doing a special episode. So you won't be here next week on the on the podcast. That's, so thank you. That's just sad. So are you so sad? I'll be here in spirit. You'll have two weeks to be able to read chapter four when that comes out. But I'm really excited because next week I'm interviewing Jules Beth, who is or Julie Soto or Loves Bitka 8, any of those ways that anyone out there may know her. Um, and yeah, she wrote The Right Thing to Do. She wrote All the Wrong Things. And she's currently working with her alphabet team on the auction. So I'm interviewing her about the Rights and Wrong series. And yeah, I am so excited. These these um fix like her her work is just amazing and i'm so excited to talk talk to her about all of it so i'm excited you're gonna it. have someone more qualified to talk about harry potter with <laughs> 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 yes no <laughs> well uh yeah no it's my first interview like with an author so i'm really excited and then eventually we'll talk to beck beck chan about about isolation and I'm hoping to talk to her about hunted too because that's also one of my favorites so we're just going 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 I want to talk to Senlin Yu I mean there are like some really great authors that I I know through well that I've seen on the Facebook groups that I'm like oh my gosh I'm gonna slide in your DM soon <laughs> so we can talk about this stuff because some really good really good writing out there so um Yeah, I guess we will see you next week for episode five. Thanks for listening.